I, I don't want to jump ahead to that. Today is, again, Thanksgiving Sunday, so I want, to, I want to be preaching my message title this morning is Be the One. Everybody say, Be the One. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now notice that. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, everybody say one. one. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Again, that's a note there. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There you go. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now again, on, on Thursday, we get to do something that is pretty unique to, uh, to, to us, uh, to our nation. It is a day that we set aside to celebrate Thanksgiving. It is a day that we set aside to count our blessings and give thanks to God for his faithfulness. Uh, you know, the interesting thing, I forget who it was, it may have been Charles Dickens who said that we have it backwards, that we take one day to say thanks and then we complain the other 364 days out of the year. We should turn that around and we should take one day to complain and gripe about everything and then give thanksgiving all the rest of the year. I think that's a pretty good idea, right? It, it's a good idea. You know, we are, so, so let me just start out by asking you this morning, what are you thankful for? Okay, what, what, what are you thankful for? Now, now, I'm not asking you if everything is right in your life. I, I'm not asking you if everything is going the exact way that you want it to go. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, what, what are you thankful for right now? See, Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, says this. He said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. So what is God's will? You know, I, I always enjoy those conversations where people say, Pastor, I'm just looking for God's will. Here it is right here. You don't have to look for it. He tells you what it is. What is the will of God? That in all circumstances, you give thanks. Now, we don't give thanks for everything that's happening, but in everything that's happening, we give thanks. There's a difference there. I mean, I don't, I don't thank God for the pains of life, but in the pains of life, I thank God. See, that, that's a difference. When things are going my way, I, it's easy to thank God. When things are not going my way, it's difficult. But yet Paul said God's will, if you're trying to find his will, is in every situation and circumstance, you give thanks. Again, this reminds me of a story. I've shared this with you before, but it's one of my favorite stories. It's a story about these two teachers that happened to meet each other at a convention. They had not seen each other in several years, and so they, they meet up, and, and, and they're talking about what's been going on in their life over the, uh, since the last time. Cut me down again, just please. Uh, since the last time they visited. And so one teacher said to the other, said, hey, I got married two years ago. Oh, that's good, her friend replied. Well, no, not really, the first one said. My husband is twice as old as I am. She said, well, oh, that's bad. Well, no, not really, because he's a multimillionaire many times over. So her friend said, oh, that, that's really good. She said, well, 
no, not really, because he turned out to be really mean and he doesn't give me any money. She said, well, that's, that's not good. And she said, well, uh, not really. He, he did build us a multi-million dollar mansion. And uh, she said, oh, that's really good. She said, well, no, not really, because it burned down last week. She said, well, that's really bad. She said, well, no, not really. He was in it when it burned down. <laughs> I know that's not good. I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> what, what do you have to be thankful for this morning? <laughs> you know, most people right now, how many of you have your Christmas list already ready? Anybody? Anybody still do Christmas lists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the kids, all the kids and the youth are like, yeah, I already got mine. I've already emailed it. I've Snapchatted it. I've I Twitter it. I, no, what do we do? Tweet it. I tweet it. I don't know anything about it. I just plug and play. I've done all those things. I've got my list. Well, let me ask you this this morning. You know, most people have a Christmas list of what they would like to receive for Christmas. Have you ever thought about a, a thanks list? You, you ever thought about a thanks? What would you put on that list? What are you thankful for this morning? You know, Thanksgiving Day is a distinctive holiday, again, unique to us. It doesn't commemorate a battle. It doesn't commemorate anyone's birthday or anniversary. It is simply a day that is set aside to express thanks to God for his blessings. In 1789, George Washington made this public proclamation, and I quote, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor, and whereas, now to get this one, both houses of Congress, <laughs> you can tell that's old right there, both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested of me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, do I recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that was good, that all the good that was and is and will be. End quote. That is the very first proclamation by our very first president, George Washington. It is a day set aside to say thank you for all that you've done. When was the last time that we did that? When was the last time that we said, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me? You know, someone said that gratitude is the source of all Christian virtues. Now think about that. Everything, all Christian virtues flow out of a sense of gratitude. So, so in, in, that, in that light, if that's true, then maybe ingratitude is the source of all of our problems. If gratitude uh, causes all of the Christian virtues to flow out of us, then perhaps ingratitude is the source of all of our problems. Again, in our text this morning, we find the story of 10 lepers who met Jesus, and they had a life-changing encounter with him. Now, I, I said this in early service. I submit to you this morning that anybody that truly has an encounter with Christ is changed. You cannot be the same and, and, and have had a, a, an encounter with Christ. He changes you. There's just something about it. He changes you. So, so again, that's what happens. Ten men, they're lepers. They meet Jesus. They have an encounter with him, and it totally changes their life. What's so significant about these lepers who were healed is that of the ten, only one returned to say thanks. 
So my message this morning is be the one. Be the one who, who says thank you. Be the one who knows what it is to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. You may not have all that you want in life, and you may not have everything that you dreamed or hoped for, but what you have, be thankful for. Because the truth of the matter is, we are blessed way beyond we can, what we can even comprehend. Let's unpack this story a little bit this morning. First of all, let's talk about the leper's condition. You know, it's an interesting thing. Leprosy is a big deal. It was a big deal. Now, it's, cur- it's, it's, it's been cur- cured, although I did find out that there's still leper colonies on earth. Uh, they're, they're mainly in Asia, uh, in that particular region of the world, but there's still leper colon- colonies. But the disease itself largely has been eradicated with our modern medicines today. But leprosy back then, uh, well, even today, it would be a big deal. Leprosy was a big deal. It was a horrible disease to have. And you think about leprosy, not only was there the pain of the disease itself, it was, like a, it was almost like flesh eating, it, it was a horrible thing, but not, it wasn't just the physical pain that the person was in, but there was also the stigma of having the disease itself. Because the, the Mosaic law, the law of the Bible, pronounced that a leper was unclean. Unclean. Now, what did that mean? Well, if you were unclean, then you were unfit to worship with the body. So, so again, think of it like this. If you had leprosy, you could not join your BT family on a regular basis and worship God. You couldn't be part of the BT family. You couldn't be part of the flow of the ministry here. They, 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 they could no longer live with their families. The, in fact, the law in Numbers chapter 5 required that they live outside the city. So, so think about how significant that is. God created us to love and to be loved. You know, every one of us have, have been designed to receive love and to give love, and you find somebody that, uh, that, that there's a cog in that, they're miserable people. They're miserable people. God created us to love and to be loved. And here's a group of people, these lepers, who could not. They could not express love, nor could they receive love. You know, I, I, again, I mentioned this earlier, but there's something significant about the human touch. There's something therapeutic about it. There's something healing about it. Uh, how many of you... Uh, you know, there, there, years ago, there was a lady, uh, well, there was a, a teenager that attended church here for a long time, and every Sunday, well, I still have one now, every Sunday, she would hunt me down to get a hug. And she said, I just look forward to your hugs, because she didn't get those type of, she didn't get those hugs at home, because she was, it was a single mom, uh, single family situation, she didn't get those hugs. You know, there's something healing uh, how many of you sometimes go through things and you just want a hug? You just want somebody to, to hug you. Um, there's something powerful about that. Now, think about it. These lepers couldn't receive it. They couldn't hug, nor could they be hugged. And again, the law required, not only did they live outside, so they're isolated, the law also required that they tear their clothes as a sign of extreme sorrow and that their faces are covered and they cried out unclean. So imagine that. Everywhere they go, they have to have their faces covered and they have to call out to people that might be uh, approaching unclean, unclean. Now, their face was hidden. Why is that significant? Well, your face, according to the Hebrew tradition, the face is seen as the most intimate part of the body. In fact, they believe that you could not know someone unless you looked at their face. How many of you as parents used to tell your children, hey, look at me when I talk to you. Somebody still does. <laughs> you know, look at me. There's a reason for that. 
You want to establish a relationship. You know, even now as adults, we want to look at each other's face. We want to, there, there's something about that. So, so they had their faces hidden. They were covered. They could, not, they could not truly know anyone because they had this horrible disease. When the Jews were commanded, and think about this, when the Jews were commanded to seek the face of God, it wasn't that they were trying to see, you know, his eyes, his nose, his mouth, his ears. It, that was not it. It was a reference to the intimacy. When it says seek the face of God, it was seeking the intimacy of that relationship with the Lord. And for these men, they couldn't have any of that. To be a leper meant you couldn't have intimacy with anyone. No family, no friends, just isolation. The Jews also believed that the leprosy was a disease that a person, that if a person had leprosy, that they were being punished for some horrible sin that they did. And it was a mark of God's displeasure. If you were a leper, you essentially lost everything. You lost your job. You lost your belongings. You lost your family. You lost your money. Again, that's what the life of a leper was all about. Luke says that when these men were there, it, it says they were afar off. You see, you see that? They were afar off. Rabbinic tradition is that if you were a leper, you had to remain at least 100 paces from anyone else. Now, I don't know how far 100 paces is. It might be from here to the back of that building. But I want you to think about that. If that's, if that's, if that's accurate... That means that I could not get close to anyone. I couldn't get closer than the back door back there. And I had to have my face covered. And everywhere I went, I had to holler, unclean, unclean, unclean. That was what they were dealing with. Again, the reason I've spent so much time uh, explaining leprosy to you this morning is because I want you to understand there is a spiritual parallel to leprosy, and that's called sin. I want you to think about that sin. It's what Satan wishes to do to each and every, every person. Like the leper, we were, we were isolated in true intimacy. Like the leper, we were outcast of the kingdom of God. Like the leper, we too were in the process of losing everything. Paul said we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were isolated from God, separated. Like the leper, we were basically being destroyed from that which was within us. That's the leper's condition. That's the sinner's condition. Let's look at their cry, the second thing. Verse 13, we're told as Jesus was about to enter the city. Again, I want you to picture the, the spatial difference here. As Jesus is about to enter, the, you know, I almost picture them with binoculars or a monocular or something, just looking and seeing Jesus enter into the, enter into the city. As he's about to enter into the city, the Bible says the lepers begin to cry out, Jesus, I did it last week, right? You know, I'm talking about he chose you. Sometimes we sit around and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what they're doing. I mean, I know the Bible put, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But again, when we are going through things, there are times we sit down and we pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're crying out to him. Like, hey, Jesus, I'm right here. Again, that's all they could do, though. I want you to grab hold of that. That is all they could do. No physician could heal them. No medicine could cure them. They didn't have a salve. They didn't have a holistic approach to it. They couldn't go down and find some plants and put them in and grind them up. And They couldn't do that. Their only hope was Jesus. And I'm so glad that they recognized that unless Jesus stopped and showed mercy, leprosy would doom them. You know, we like to think that we're self-sufficient, right? That we're capable of handling things. But the truth of the matter is, every one of us are born helpless. The Bible said we were born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 5, I love what Romans 5, 6 says, for when we were yet without strength, when we're yet without strength in due time, Christ died 
for the ungodly. I love the word in the Greek, to be without strength means to be totally helpless. There was a point that you and I were totally helpless. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We owe, we own the penalty of our sin. And we were totally helpless. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't be rich enough. We couldn't be popular enough. We couldn't be educated enough. We couldn't give enough to merit our way to heaven. We could not do it. And without somebody telling us what Jesus did and us crying out to him, we'd still be lost, dying from what's within. For these men, everything came down to this encounter with Jesus. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that when your only hope is placed in Jesus, he's more than enough? He's more than enough. You'll find that when you get to the bottom and you can't go any lower, just reach out to Jesus because he's more than enough. His grace is sufficient. Jesus had compassion on them and he told them to go and present themselves to the priest as the law commanded. The priest would inspect them according to Le Leviticus 14. He would inspect them, give, give them a clean bill of health and what that meant was now they could rejoin society. Again, that's a, per, uh, that's a picture of, of, of being born again. You see, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but when we called out for mercy and grace, he abundantly gave it to us. Now we, now we live. Now we're part of his family. Now we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. For these men, for these men, when Jesus healed them, when they went and presented themselves to the priest, they got a clean bill of health. That meant, meant that they could come back. They could come back home. They could have a family, they could have a job, they could have possessions. They're restored back to a right relationship with everybody around them. When Christ takes care of the sin issue, we are restored to a relationship with him. We're made right. Again, be the one that learns that, listen, things, you may not have what you want. You may want a bigger house, and you may want a better car, and you may want better clothes. You might want better food or what have you. Be, be the one that learns to say thank you for everything that you have. Why did Jesus tell them this? Why didn't Jesus just say, be healed? Why did he say, go and present yourself to the priest? Because here's the thing, helplessness always requires an act of faith. If you want to get out of that helpless place that you're in, you've got to be willing to take that step of faith. Faith is the evidence, it's the, well, the, substance, of the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Jesus said, go and show yourself. And the Bible says, while they were on their way, they were healed. You think about Naaman. How many remember the story of Naaman? You know, we used to sing that song, and he dipped, and he dipped, and he dipped, and dipped, and he dipped, 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 and he came up clean. I mean, think about this. Elijah could have stayed right there in his lazy boy and could have hollered out the window and said, be healed, in in, well, <laughs> be healed. <laughs> God has healed you. And he could, he could have stayed right there. He could have healed Naaman, and he went on his merry way. But no, he goes and says, hey, he sends his servant. said, go tell him to dunk himself seven times in the muddy river. And he's appalled at that. He protests that, says he didn't want to do that. And yet, he does it. And when he does what was required of him by faith, he came up clean. See, they, these men heard the word of Christ, they believed on the word of Christ, and they were healed. I heard about Jesus, I believed in Jesus, and I was healed of my sin issue. And I'm now restored in a relationship with him. 
Their cry was, have mercy on us. That's a sinner's cry right there. Mercy is not what we, it's, 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 it's not getting what we deserve. That's mercy. They're saying, hey, we don't deserve, but please have mercy on us. Let's look at one leper's celebration. This is the meat of the message right here. We're told that as they begin to journey to the priest, okay, they're cleansed and they're healed. And again, of the significance of this is that out of the ten men, there was one who reacted differently than everybody else. The Bible says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, glorified God, he came to Jesus to give him thanks. Now, why did this one react differently? Again, here's the meat of the message. Number one, he had the perception of gratitude. Look at what the Bible says. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, okay, what does that mean? He changed perspective. He saw that he was healed. Now, I know the other ones, they knew they were healed too, but there was something that clicked because he started seeing himself in a different light. And what he saw, his perception caused him to want to go back and give thanks to Jesus. The Bible says when he saw, the Greek word for saw means to perceive. means to perceive. He took time to note that he had been blessed. He took time to know that he had received something of the Lord. And how, how many of you remember, uh, and, and maybe even as parents now, you still teach your children, when somebody does something, you say thank you. Anybody, anybody still do that? You know, it's kind of a weird day now that people feel like you owe them something. You know, that, you know when was the last time that somebody thanked you for holding the door open? You know, or stepping out. Again, we, we live in a culture today that that seems to be manners and, and, and good morals seem to be ebbing out of society. But I can remember a time that, that that's just who we were. We were okay. We were grateful. If somebody gave us something, we were, we were eternal. We were grateful. We said, thank you. And, and please. And yes, sir. You know, how many, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. We did all of those things. You know, I mean, I might be a throwback, but I mean, I, I thought that that was really nice to do. I still do. I still do. This man, this man was different than everybody else. They all had the same healing they all experienced, had it from the Lord, and yet one man perceived himself to have received something significant, and he stops and he turns back to go say thank you. Listen, Jesus came to give us eternal life. In fact, John 3, 17 said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to give us eternal life. And listen, if we never have all the world's goods if you have eternal life, you have enough to be thankful until he calls you home. Because think about it. Listen, we may not always have get what we want. We may not live where we want. We may not drive what we want. But I promise you, if Jesus is Lord of your life, when you accepted Christ, he took, he took your sin that was yours. He paid the price. When you accepted him, born again, he took out a pen. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he inscribed you on the palm of his hand, and there's not a devil in hell that's strong enough to take you out. If I, have, if I never have another blessing from the Lord, that is enough to say thank you until he calls me home. Because here's the thing. In this world, I'm going to have tribulation. In this world, there's going to be difficult days. There are going to be some bad days and really bad days and good moments and bad moments. But in this world, this is the way it is. But when I get up there, he's gone to prepare a place. And he said, I'm going to prepare. But if I do, I'll come back and then I'll take you to where I am. There you will be also. That's what I'm waiting for. And I can say thank you until he calls me home. Because when I get there, 
Here's, here's what I believe, my, my, what I believe. When I, stand, when I step over into heaven, all of my bad days on earth won't even be a blip on my radar anymore. Not a blip on my radar. This man took time to note that he had received something. There's an old Jewish story that kind of illustrates this point. It was a man that goes to see a rabbi to complain. Go figure. And he goes in there and he says to the rabbi, he said, Rabbi, he said, life is unbearable. <laughs> he said, there are nine of us living in this single room. What can I do? The wise old rabbi looks at him and says, take your goat into the room with you. The man's like, you're nuts. He said, well, do what I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back into the room and he's so distraught. He's just overwhelmed. He said, we can't stand it. He said, that goat smells. He's filthy tears everything up, messes everywhere. So the rabbi looks at him and says, well, go home and let the goat out and come back to me in a week. So the man goes home, lets the goat out, comes back in a week, and when he comes back, he's radiant. I mean, this guy's got joy, and he's got a smile on his face, and he said, life is beautiful. He said, we've got everything we want now. There's no goat in the house, just the nine of us. Well, nothing had changed. <laughs> nothing had changed from the first time. It's just he learned something very valuable. When was the last time you sat down and just pondered the goodness of the Lord? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103. that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's benefits serving the Lord, church. There's benefits. What are the benefits? Now, when we think about benefits, we think about a nice 401k, we think about a nice Roth IRA, we think about, you know, we think about whatever. Now, these benefits are, uh, that's why Jesus said, put your treasure up where moth can't get it, and rust and all that stuff. You know, it's a different perspective. Here's the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. <laughs> Aren't you glad? He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from, de from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When was the last time you sat down and said, I just want to thank you. Thank you for my sins being forgiven. Thank you that you've healed me. Thank you that you've crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercy. Thank you. Thank you that you satisfy me. Did you get that? Living for Jesus has benefits. And here's the thing, the devil will do everything he can to get you focused on what you don't have at the expense of what you do have. Did you, you see that? Isn't that true? He always, he always, yeah, but you didn't get a new car, they got a new car. Oh, but you didn't move to a new house, they moved to a new house. Oh, you didn't get to go to Neiman Marcus. They went to Neiman Marcus. You went to Walmart. We, we, uh, we think, but that's true, right? He always wants us to focus on what we don't have. He'll constantly tell you how bad you have it and what's wrong with your life because he knows. He knows that when you start counting your blessings, when you start cultivating an attitude of gratitude, boy, he's in trouble. Because your heart will start abounding more and more towards the love of God. Listen, an unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. Plain and simple. 
An unthankful, ungrateful Christian is a defeated Christian. This man had the perception of gratitude. He saw that he had received of the Lord and he was thankful. Number two, he had the priority of gratitude. Again, when he saw that he was healed, he turned around. Now, Jesus told him to go to the priest. But this man thought enough. So, so you would say, well, why, would, why wouldn't he disobey? Why wouldn't Jesus rebuke him for disobeying? Because he had his priorities right. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that once he finished worshiping, he went to the priest to present himself to get that clean bill of health. But this man, this man intended to worship and say thank you. He had his priorities right. Listen, if we don't give thanks to God, it won't be long until our obedience just becomes a job. Think about it. What, what does that mean? It means we become very robotic in our worship, in our journey of faith, in our walk with the Lord. See, I really believe this is one of the biggest problems in modern Christianity is we've got people that sit in, our, in, in churches who feel like God still owes them something. And, 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 and they know the truth, so they're not going to stay out of service. They're not going to uh, absent themselves, but they just don't get it. They just go through the motions because deep down on the inside, they feel like God owes them. They owe them, he, that he owes them the car that the other person got or the house the other person got or, the, or, the, or, or, or whatever. Be very, very careful about in, uh, being, being unthankful. Because if you, if, again, if you cultivate that, un, that being an ingrate, if you cultivate that attitude, you'll just go through the motions. It won't mean anything. You'll come in, you'll, you'll do your time, you'll do your thing, you'll say an amen every once in a while. You'll, you'll high-five somebody or shake their hand or whatever, but it doesn't mean anything to you because deep down inside, you still think God owes you something. Listen, I just came today to tell you, he don't owe us, and it's not grammatically correct, but I'm just going to tell you, he don't owe you nothing. Nada. It was his love that compelled him to leave heaven's splendor, to come down, become one of us, to die on Calvary. It was his love for us, not anything that we did to merit that. Listen, if we don't learn to give God thanks, it won't be long until our obedience is just a job. We lose the meaning of what it means to be in relationship with God. Listen, how many of you like to be around an ingrate? Uh, not, not very many, right? How many like to give to your children and only to have them take it and say thanks and run off and, or, or maybe not even say anything? You know, just like, Thank you, you know, they, I, I, see, I, it's a habit. I, I, somebody gives me something, I'm just going to say thank you. But I mean, how would you like someone to receive and never say thank you, never express gratefulness for it? Listen, that's what I'm talking about. If I don't learn how to cultivate that attitude of gratitude with him, then, then this relationship is strained. It's strained. It is fitting and proper to give thanks and praise to the Lord for what he has done in your life. And the last thing is this, guys, come on back as we prepare for communion. He had the perfection of gratitude. It's the last thing. As this man drew near to where the Lord was, what did he do? The Bible says he glorified God. In the Greek, it just simply means he esteemed him. It, he esteemed him. He manifested the worth of Jesus. See, that's what worship is. Worship is just expressing his worth. The value that you assign to him. The Lord asked the question, and I want you to see that because, listen, he notices. If you don't get anything out of this, I want you to know Jesus notices because he looks at him and he says, hey, were there not 10 of you cleansed? 
Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? He notices. He notices those who, who, who take the time to say thank you for his goodness and his mercy. And, and notice what Jesus does for this man. He says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You know what? This man received something the other nine did not receive. If you learn how to step out of the crowd and be, a, be the one that cultivates an attitude of gratitude, you'll receive something from the Lord that the others will not receive. They, this man got something. He got one, in fact, one scholar said that this guy was blessed, that he not only was he healed, he was brought into a relationship with Jesus in a more intimate way than the other nine. He took the time. Be the one this morning. Be the one that says thank you. Be the one that takes that moment to say, Lord, you've been so good to me. I love that song, He's a Good, Good Father. That's who He is. And I'm loved by Him. That's who I am. That's who I am. Listen, all people are blessed of God. I really believe that every... Uh, listen, not, not everybody, not everybody will follow Christ. All people are blessed of the Lord, but not everybody follows. This man's thankful heart responded in faith, and he was, became a disciple of Jesus. As I close this morning, be the one that cultivates that attitude of gratitude. As we move into the Thanksgiving season, you know, this week, you've got plans, you've got cooking to do and places to go and people to see. Just take the time to stop and say thank you. Thank you for being good. Cultivate that attitude of gratitude. Be the one that recognizes that every good and perfect gift is from above. Be the one that recognizes that, uh, that, that what we have is a blessing of the Lord and be willing to give thanks in everything. Again, I'm not minimizing any hardships that you're going through right now. I'm just saying in, even in those difficult days, be thankful. What am I thankful for? Because God's promised a better day ahead. He's promised a better place ahead. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. Every day we're, we're, we're spiraling downward out of control, and we wonder if there's ever going to be a bottom. Listen, he's already determined there's a day when he, nobody knows but the Father himself when, the, when Jesus will step out, and he'll call us home. And then in that place, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more crying, no more, none of that in that place. So I can thank God for the hope of heaven this morning. Everything may not be to your liking, but learn to count your blessings and give thanks, as Paul said, for the indescribable gift. Do you know you have a gift this morning? Paul said to the Galatians, the indescribable gift, that's Jesus. That's what you and I have. Be thankful and rejoice in that. Now, as we move into our communion time this morning, has everyone received your communion? If you've not, if you'll raise your hand, we want to make sure that you have them. Anybody? We've got some right over here. Gabe, right over here. You know, I thought, what a better way to say thanks than to take time today remember what he's done for us I will tell you this is a little different than we had before the, the wafers on the bottom so make sure you open the bottom first or you'll wear grape juice home with you today we don't want that 
know, sometimes we, we get in life and the truth of the matter is there will always be an equity in this world. What does that mean? It means there will always be somebody that has more than you. They drive, they drive nicer cars, they live in better houses, they wear prettier clothes. There will always be. And if we're not careful, we can become disheartened by saying, God, I deserve that, I should have that. That breeds, in, that breeds unthankfulness. Paul said, whatever state I found myself to be in, I've learned to be content. This right here, these elements that we received this morning, communion, they're reminders that you were enough, that he chose you. The reminders that he loves you eternally, that he was willing to give his life in your, if you'd been the only one, he still would have done it because he loves you. All right. For I've received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us pray. Father, today on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we talk about gratitude, we talk about thankfulness. But Lord, right now we pause to say thank you. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. We pause to say thank you that that handwritten ordinance that was against us was nailed to your cross thankful that when you said it is finished everything was accomplished to give us life in all of its abundance we are, we are grateful for that but these elements remind us that it was a significant contribution on your part because it cost you your life your broken body and your spilled blood were for the redemption and the salvation of our soul and for the healing of our bodies. So today as we take this, these elements to remember that great sacrifice, we do so with a heart of thankfulness saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. May we never become an ingrate and may we never become unthankful and as we receive these elements today, I pray that there are those here today that are sick, infirm, broken, as we partake of the bread and the cup, bring restoration and bring healing. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Let us take the bread, please. Now let us take the cup. What I want to do this morning is I just want to open, we don't do this often. I mean, I know every week we have altar time. And, but I want to invite you this morning, anyone who just want to step out and just come to the front just for a few moments and say thank you. 
thank you for being so good. Thank you for offering. Would you stand with me? And while they sing, if you just want to take a few moments and just your private worship, just come forward here to the altar and just say thank you. brought for me both now and 
there's if you had a ledger and you wrote down one wise man told his son he was complaining about he had nothing to be thankful for and he said sit down and write it down add it up and when you start adding it up we're so blessed we got two ladies right here that this week cancer free no cancer the goodness of our God we've got a lady in rehab right now 10 days ago they said pull the plug that there was no chance but God She's in the rehab today. In about 20 days, you'll see her sitting right back over here. Add it up. Nancy recovering. Add it up. Things may not be glamorous in the way that you want it to be. God's been good to us. Don't let the enemy get you focused on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have and be grateful. And that's all I'm going to say. I want to say on behalf of Sheila and myself, thank you for being such a wonderful church family. We love you more than you can even imagine, and we wish you the very best this Thanksgiving. On Thursday, you will be in our thoughts. As I gobble till I wobble and slurp till I burp, I'll be thinking about you, and I'll be thanking God for you. Father, today I love you so much, and I thank you. Thank you for that indescribable gift. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for forgiveness, for healing. Help us to tune in to what you've done for us and be grateful. And help us to cultivate that attitude of gratitude and watch our faith blossom in ways we've never seen before. I ask you to go with us now. Give us a great afternoon. This week, keep us all safe. May we all have a great time. But Lord, I pray that we pause and say thank you for all of your goodness because you are so good. I thank you once again for your blessings. I ask your favor to rest upon each one today in Jesus' name. And we all said.
Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. Oh, oh God.